Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Right, welcome back to the 442 podcast. Today, John. Today, Liam, we've got a belter. <laughs> Own coil. Delighted to be here. Look forward to it. Owen Coyle was a player, Dumbarton, Clyde Bank, Airdrie, Bolton Wanderers, Dundee United, Motherwell, Dunfermline Athletic, Airdrie, Falkirk, Airdrie again, St Johnston. A couple of loans in there as well. And there's a few loans in there as well. But uh, unbelievable career, player-wise. I mean, down there, whether it's right, 669 appearances, with 249 goals? Well, that's... Yeah, so you know, because obviously I've been an outstanding goal scorer as you were, I'm going to take issue with that. So that Wikipedia, 249 goals, that's just league goals, John, as you know. So when we count the cup goals, I actually finished on 297. And uh, when I finished... I'm saying I finished. Uh, I was St Johnston player manager, which was my first uh, managerial job on my own. I'd been co-manager by John Hughes, Yogi and win the championship in Scotland but uh, I actually played uh, being manager is difficult never mind being player manager as you know because you did it yourself for a short spell so the uh, and I had a couple of chances to get to that 300 but by the time you get to that age and things are running by your toes that you would normally put in so I'd love to have got to that 300 but anyway I think 297 uh, is it's not bad it's not like you to claim maybe a couple <laughs> here and there <laughs> no that's counting the ones alright <laughs> and then cracking on from that as a manager so, as you said there, Falkirk, St Johnston, Burnley, Bolton Wanderers, Wigan Athletic, Houston Dynamo, Blackburn Rovers, Ross County, Chennai, Yamshedpur, Queen's Park, and just recently announced back to Chennai. Now that you actually mentioned that playing and managing, it's obviously I, I certainly get about, don't I? So, uh, I, so it's, listen, I've been very... I've said this before, you know this, because we... We played the game because we love the game. We grew up. I grew up in the Gorbals, one and nine, and 
all we done was out kicking the ball about. And I've been very fortunate, very blessed to have had my career both as a player and as a manager. Obviously, 57 the other day. I know I don't look it, but uh, 57 the other day, and he's still be involved in football and enjoying what we're doing. We, we must have done something right along the way, that's for sure. 57? Does that mean I'm a couple of months older than you? Or what? <laughs> Is it, you've got the wee look at George Clooney. A few people well, have said about you. A few years ago, for sure. I, I think as we, as we know, as we get a wee bit older. But, uh, I listen, it's... Uh, it's the best game in the world. We absolutely love it. I actually remember, uh, funny enough, Ian McCall, who was, uh, I was his player coach at Airdrie, and I remember saying to me, Coyley, you've got to understand, when you become a manager in your own right, that not everybody's going to be as enthusiastic about football as you are. And you know this, Jai, because you're the same as me. I, I just kind of get that out of my head. What, how could you not be enthusiastic? It's the best game in the world. And to go, and, and again, as much as we talk about being coach and a manager, the best days of your life are your playing days. You play well, the manager picks you. Well, no other time because sometimes I played well and Bruce Reuter didn't pick me well anyway. We can speak about that later. But they, ordinarily, you play well, then you're going to be in the team. As a manager, you're responsible not only for a team, for a city, for you know, a huge population. So that's something that we don't take lightly. But listen, I've been very, as I said before, without being repetitive, very fortunate and very blessed to have had my career in football, for sure. I think we all have. You know what I mean? I think we're all very blessed and lucky, aren't we? to be involved for oh. so long in football. Well, you and I, listen, I, I would have said this before. Had we not been, we'd still be paying a, a fiver if we were able to, to go and play five sides with our pals because no you love the game that much. Nothing yeah. changes. No. We've all got jobs to do at different things, but fundamentally, we just have a, a, a pure love of football. Talk me on a question, though. I was going to ask you, <coughs> more enjoyment playing or managing, but you've answered it yourself, haven't you? Playing. There's, there's, I, I think there's far more enjoyment playing in respect of uh, kind of the pressures that come with it. That being said, when you do achieve something special as a group, that feeling of being kind of the person that's trying to pull it all together, you know, you need a lot of people helping you to do that. And football clubs will have a chance of success when everybody is aligned when everybody has the same idea, they're there to help each other, not when you have people that have different agendas, and that's when football clubs come unstuck. But when you've got everybody together and aligned with the same motivation, the same drive, and you don't always have to be the biggest spending or the, or the, or the best team to do that, but what you've got, you have a collective that all buy into the same idea, and when they do that, listen, magical things happen in football has been shown. As a manager, with you being so enthusiastic, right, and, I mean, you're infectious because you're bubbly, you're everything else. You walk into that training ground every day exactly the same. No difference. Whether you've got beat the day before, a couple of days before, you've won, whatever, you're exactly the same every time. It must get to you at times, though, when you see players not as enthusiastic as you are. That, that does get to me. That, there's a number of things. I think, first and foremost... For me, because it's my personality, now not everybody's like that, as we know, but I think the key for me anyway in being a manager is you have to be true to your own personality. Because if you're not, as we know, players see through that. Players see through, oh, he's pretending to be something. So you've got to be natural, you've got to be who you are. And the other thing for me as well is, as much as we know, because we hated losing to anything, as you, we were head tennis partners, never mind partners on the field, we hated losing to anything, and we'd would have that horrible feeling after it. But you do one or two things. You either feel sorry for yourself or you get up in the morning and you're prepared to do something about it. And we always chose, as you know, to be positive and, and go about that. And that's the way I've always been. And But that's that's because that's comfortable for me. There'll be other people with different ways of doing things, as, as, as we know. So, But I think the, the key is you've got to be true to yourself, for sure. 
we had Brownie on recently, and the first thing he mentioned was the head tennis. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, listen, I, I kind of, I don't want to say I, I dine out in that, that, that story, but it's true. I mean, we, I've got to say, first and foremost, the, the old Bundon Park, it was, it was amazing. I mean, you walked in, you, you sensed the atmosphere, the history of the, of the stadium, the players that played there. I said, nah, oh man, what a lovely, lovely man. He was there, I seen him every day, and he sees somebody who, for me, what the football club stood about, it, it, it was amazing. And then we walked into that corridor, and it was just natural, didn't it? The, the little bar that came across the hallway that made the natural head tennis court. And of course, I, I've, I've got a lot to thank him for, as he knows, but when I came, uh, to Bolton coming from, from Airdrie as I did. John kind of did what I did at Airdrie all those years because Alan McDonald was my manager and anybody knew came he said you'll go and make sure they feel comfortable and feel at home which is so important in football clubs people don't realise that and it's a big thing these days because obviously mental health is a huge thing and everything else and people just see footballers as players they don't understand they're the same as everybody else so the same challenges the same you know problems that people have so for somebody to to bring it into the fold straight away that's a huge thing at a football club so of course we had to off straight away out with you know playing on the field together became head tennis partners and we were first in in the morning we were last away but that head tennis at Bolton was, was legendary and Brownie was would be on because Brownie was was a winner as well as they all were I mean you you think you're Alan Thompson Andy Walkers did see all the boys Tony Kelly Stubbsy I mean what what team we had but they all wanted to be the best at head tennis and they couldn't I mean we were we were just unbeatable so uh, so much too. so there's so much so that Brownie actually at the time and. <coughs> I mean, I would hope the younger uh, viewers know who this as well, but Brownie at the time wrote a letter to Sir Alex at Man United to ask Eric Cantona to come with a partner to play us. That's how good me and McGinley were at head tennis. Did you get a response? <laughs> no, I think they realised they wouldn't have won, so they just said, they just said oh, I'm, I'm sure. It would have been some game, that's for sure. I've got a question come to me, I don't want to get it out. As a manager, best player you ever signed? Well, that's a good question, because it comes, uh, the reason being the best players for different reasons. So for example, when I was at, uh, when I was at Burnley and uh, building, a, I'm saying building a good team, we'd brought in, uh, sold Kyle Lafferty to Rangers for four million, we'd sold Andy Gray for two million in the, the previous January. But when I sold Andy Gray, because Alan Pardew was the manager of Charlton and wanted him, I'd already lined up with Andy Cole to come in on loan for the same salary, but we still had two million in the bank. So Andy Cole came in and he was 36, 37 at the time, Coley. But my God, he passed the ball. It was it was unbelievable for us in terms of the standard of the training. So he did amazing for us. And then into that following season, we started to uh, to build the team. We'd, we'd signed some players. I got Chris Eagles from uh, Manchester United. Sir Alex was brilliant when we were the deal. Uh, I got me Martin Parson in from Scunthorpe. Uh, he scored 20, 20 two goals and a Scunthorpe team that was down the bottom of the championship so you knew playing in a team that wasn't at the top end and scoring those goals he was a quality player so I'd get him in big Kevin McDonald in from Dundee to him so from the six million we brought in we spent just under half of it to try and build a better Burnley team which we did but we started the season and what we were lacking I, I didn't have a big physical striker uh, I had good strikers but different types but I needed somebody that could bring us up the pitch at different times so we went to Cardiff and it never cost me any money but I always say to him, pound for pound, big Stevie Thompson was the best signing ever made because he was incredible what he brought to that Burnley team. And he just, when you're putting a team together, it's like a big jigsaw. You've got to get the right bits in the place. And that was a huge, huge part of it. And uh, But on that, just talking about managerial stuff, uh, we started the season having took this money in and spent 
some money to build the team. When the pre-season, we were flying. We were unbelievable pre-season. Everybody's excited about going into the new season. And we went in the first day to Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday away, which is obviously a tough game. But, I mean, because we had such a good pre-season, we were unbeaten, the boys were flying, they were sitting the ball about. So we went there full of confidence. Two nothing down after four minutes. It was, it was that's what football does. So we Martin Parson get a goal, get back to two one. I think we end up losing the game four one. Then we went we, with a couple of, uh, with a cup tie. I think at Bury we won at Bury. But then the next game was our first home game of the season. And this is sometimes you know in football when you know things only going right for you on a certain day. So we're playing Ipswich at home, uh, and uh, Mick was the manager, Mick McCarthy. So anyway, the, we, they decided at Burnley that we're going to have the. Uh, the, the, the paraglider come in, come right in the stadium, land in the centre circle with a match ball, put the ball down, boom, kick off. What a start, the fans would love it, just somebody coming right in. Yeah. Does the guy know crash into the old stand? Breaks his leg, game's delayed for two hours, stand's got to be evacuated. So you know yourself, so oh, this day's just not going well for us. Anyway, so we played a game, we lost the game 3 0, three own goals. So, three own goals. Three own goals. Deflected, but you know, they, they the initial shot wasn't get in, but took a deflection. Anyway, three own goals. So we lost three nil at home. So everything was set for the paraglider. It couldn't have went, it couldn't, the day couldn't have went any worse than what it did. So we come the following week and we're playing uh, we're playing Plymouth at home. Paul's luggy. Paul Sturrock's in charge. Good parliament. What a great, great football man. So anyway, we played the game and Chris Eagles get sent off after 10 minutes. The game finishes nil-nil and we're in after the game is because particularly the, the Scots managers always, and English lads as well, to be fair, win, lose, or draw, you'd always go in and see the, you know, a kind of wee respect thing after the games, and have whether it was a glass of water or a glass of wine or whatever, and, and then do your stuff. So anyway, Paul Sarrett, Loggy comes in, and we're sitting chatting away, and he says, and he sits down, I remember this vividly, he looks at me and he says, Coily, and I says, aye, 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 Paul. It's going to be a long season for us too. And I've got my back up. I went, what? <laughs> it's going to be a long season for it. So, what are you talking about? He went, whoa, whoa, go easy. Just what I've seen there. I said, oh, I don't know. I'm doing it 10 minutes. I've tried to justify it. And I think so. Anyway, I left. I'm thinking to myself, fucking, we've got a good team, obviously. But we're now one point after three games. So we go to Crystal Palace away. This 100% gospel, this is true. We go to Crystal Palace away the following week. And obviously, for all that, a natural enthusiasm and excitement about the start of the season. You're sitting with one point after three games in the championship, which is a, a tough, tough league at the best of times. So we go to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are down to nine men in the second half, and it's still nil-nil. We score two goals, they get chopped off, rightly or wrongly. So this comes to the 92nd minute, and still nil-nil. Crystal Palace get a... And it, the reason I mention this is because, as we know, you deal with a lot of things with humour, in football particularly. So, 92nd minute, Crystal Palace got a free kick just 20, 22 yards out in front of the goals. And I remember turning to Sandy, who's always my assistant, Sandy Stewart has been with me. And Sandy at that time was the process of buying a house in Preston. He was going to let him. So I said to Sandy, I said, hey, Sandy, have you bought that house in Preston yet? He went, oh, everything will get through on Monday, only. I says, right. I said, well, see if this free kick is in, don't bother. <laughs> because the bottom, the bottom line is you do with two points after four games, couldn't he beat, uh, sorry, one point after four games, couldn't beat nine men. Uh, anyway, the free kick whistles by the post. We draw nil nil, so we two points for four games. And uh, at a meeting in the Monday morning, we uh, Brendan Flood, who was outstanding, he was played him and Barry Kill. Barry Kill was chairman. Brendan Flood was the one that put all the money into Burnley, keep Burnley going because you know Burnley had Burnley. If we'd all got promoted later on that season, Burnley would have been in huge financial trouble because we were embargoed from the, the January. Uh, we owed money to 
Man United for add-ons for Eagles and Scunthorpe for add-ons for Mark Parson. And there was a couple of times it looked as if wages weren't going to get played, but Brendan Flood at the last minute, to be fair, he found money and got everything done. Uh, but anyway, the meeting on the Monday in parentheses, oh, what's going on? Uh, we thought we were going to be excited. I says, Brendan, we are going to be excited. Says, I just need one wee other bit that just kind of cemented us. And that was Stevie Thompson. That's why I kind of uh, brought that story there. So we got to win from Cardiff, went to Nottingham Forest on the, uh, on the Saturday, beat them 2-1. And playing for Nottingham Forest was Coley, Andy Cole. And uh, I tried to re-sign Coley in the summer but because we didn't have a lot of money. And then Nottingham Forest gave him an unbelievable offer. So we beat him 2-1, we're coming off the pitch, and Coley comes to puts his arm around and he says, that's me, Gaffer. I said, what? He says, ah, that's me. I says, he says, I'm not enjoying it. He says, I absolutely loved coming into Burnley. He says, it was like a new lease of life. And, you know, for me as a manager, you hear somebody, you know, with the, you know, the quality, you know, out, not just the football, was a man, Andy Cole, saying about how much he enjoyed and the boys and everything else. <coughs> and true enough, I think he, he stopped after that game. He said, that's me. And uh, But we won the game, we got them running, and that was us. We flew on and obviously went on to get promotion. Going to bring you back there, Chris Eagles. There's a yep. story about that transfer, isn't there? Is it you about, know about how I got song? about how I got him? Ah, yeah. Yeah. So back in the day when I was uh, when I was a part time player, uh, before I signed for Airdrie, Clyde Bank, I worked for uh, London Construction as a, I was an assistant buyer. So obviously people look at football and don't think, oh, you've done other jobs. Well, we all have. You and John will know that as well. For his, for his early days as well. So, uh, but while I was at, worked at London Construction, Martin Sir Alex's brother, Martin Ferguson, who was his, his chief scout, Martin was also in between jobs was a, was a tyre salesman. So he used to come in. So I had a great rapport with Martin. So I was finishing my UEFA Pro license uh, in Switzerland. There was a, the European Championships, and I was going to a game with Big Jim Fleeton, who was a, a technical director of the SFA. It's an outstanding man, Big Jim Fleeton, good friend and great guy. Uh, and we're walking up to the game, and we bump into Martin. Martin Ferguson, and uh, I said, oh, Martin, how are you? So oh, good to see you, boys. Jim, how are you? Oh, young Coyle, how are you? Bum, bum. So he's chatting away. And, uh, and of course, I've got in my mind the players I want to bring in this summer, and I've, it's a perfect opportunity. So I said to Martin, oh, when you speak to, when you, when you speak to, to the top man, he says, off to phone him tomorrow after the game, give him the report on, I think it was uh, Switzerland and Croatia, it was playing, well, anyway, Greece and Croatia. The, uh, so he was obviously looking at a couple of players. I says, going to do my favour. Well, I says, what? I says, going to phone him just now. He says, what? He says, only saw I said, I'm going to phone him just now. He's like, oh, quietly, come on. So he'd be fair to Jim Fleet and Jim Fleet. He says, come on. Well, you know a young boy who needed a help up. Give him a hand to you. He's like, all right. So he phones. So sure enough, you hear coming down the phone, the voice, what are you doing phoning him now? You have to phone me tomorrow. And he said, I oh, know, I'm going to the game, but I've got young Owen Coyle here and uh, with Big Jim Fleeting and, and young Coyle's wanting a word with you. He said, I'll put him on then. So he comes on and I said, sorry to bother you. I said, but it's just about one of your players. He says, who? I said, it's Chris Eagles. Oh, good player. I said, no, I know he is. I said, it would be, it'd be sensational for me. I said, but I don't know if he'd be available. He said, listen, aye, he will be. Phone me, 4th of July. That'll be my first day back. Phone me, 9 o'clock in the morning, 4th of July. You and I will speak about it. Right. Let me get back to my holidays now. So that was it. Put the phone down. So I thought, Martin, it was brilliant for Martin Ferguson to do that. And sure enough, at 4th of July, I'm waiting, 9 o'clock, boom, phone straight away, gets the secretary, comes on. He says, right, Coy, I'll be waiting for your call. I says, well, I said, I'm just about... He says, yes. I said, I'll do a deal with you. He said, the boy's unbelievable ability, but he needs to play. He said, he'll be sitting in the bench for me. I'm going to have my big hitters coming back. He said, uh, he said so I'm taking him to South Africa with me on our tour. He said, but when I come back... You and I, the deal will be done. It'll be uh, half a million down, 
200,000 if he makes 20 games, 200,000 makes 20. So the total deal was going to come to like a million pounds, which was a bargain for, for the quality and the ability the boy had. And uh, I said, very brilliant. He said, yeah, we're back on the 23rd of July or whatever it was. That morning we phone, we'll get everything done. Great, puts the phone down. So of course, I've got Eagles, brilliant. So I'm watching every game they're playing in South Africa. His Eagles know the best, Eagles is man in the match every game. He's scoring goals for fun, finishes the top scorer on the tour. So I'm sitting there thinking, there's no way. So as soon as he can buy it, a phone, he picks the phone up right on. He says, aye. He says, eh, you don't think I'm going to give him, do you? I says, well, to be honest, half of me thinks it was that I watched every game. He says, no, I knew you would. He said, because that's what we do, because we love the game, we love these players. He said, no, I gave you my word, the deal will be done. Met him, boy wanted to come, and Eagles were sensational. And a big, big part of that, us getting promoted that year with, with Burnley for the... Because Burnley, by everybody else, were tipped to be... We, I think our budget was like something like six and a half million to get promoted at the Championship. It was like, our highest paid player was uh, was actually Gabber Karali. Uh, who uh, who I moved on? Uh, I think he was like eight thousand pound a week, and uh, that was our highest player, uh, highest paid player at the time in Burnley. But that group of players, we got them together, the brand of football we played, and we played sixty one games that season to get promoted. Another thing with Burnley is that it's a huge, huge thing, and although a couple of times I went back since and they gave me a bit of, uh, as a manager against them a bit of stick, but the when that Burnley crowd's on side, I mean that atmosphere at Turf Moor is is second to none. I mean an evening game under the lights was 22, 23 thousand it's sensational and they played a big part and that's why we built it into a fortress I mean we were we were sensational and, and the football the boys played and, and Eagles was a big big part of that so I'd like to thank Sir Alex for Did you have a small squad? Yeah we we that we played 61 games and we used because uh, people love facts and stats and all that don't they we actually used the fewest amount of players in the championship because we didn't have a big squad and then as I say we were embargoed from the January we couldn't even bring anybody in then So my next question do you think that helps? It helped. It, an answer to that is the answer is yes, as long as they all stay healthy and fit. Because when they don't, then you run into problems because you can't replace like for like. We all due respect, as much as I played with John at Bolton, if John's injured and whether I play or whoever plays, you know, it's difficult to replace uh, somebody who's a talisman and everything else and different things. So if you can replace like for like, you'll be okay. But when you don't, it obviously has an effect on the team. That's only a natural process. Right, I'll take you back, right back. I mean, obviously Dumbarton, that yeah. was the start, basically. And playing with the brothers, yeah. Joe and Tommy, what was it like? For me, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. I was really, and this is the other thing as well, which people don't realise, but I was really lucky in many ways. I mean, I signed for Dumbarton when I was 13. I was supposed to sign for Dundee United. And Jim McLean would remind me later years when, when I sent from Dundee United from, from Bolton as a player, he had to pay four, four hundred and fifty thousand for me. And he would remind me I could have had you for nothing. But he wouldn't have had me for nothing for a simple reason. When I was 16, I was like five foot four. So I could play a little bit, but I was really small. And had I signed at Dundee United, Dundee United would have looked and thought, he's a good little player, but I've got a good big player here, somebody that's physically ready. And I've got no doubts I would have been released at 16. But because I was at Dumbarton with my two older brothers, Joe and Tommy, I was allowed to potter away, play in the reserves. I got to be 18 and a half, and I, I went from five foot four to five, 11 and a half, uh, or what it was. And, uh, and all of a sudden, they thought I was tall enough to go and play in the first team, because it'd been really small, and it's been all very, very skinny. I mean, I played at 
10 stone or whatever, should the, you know, as a striker that's unheard of for a wee, you know, particularly with the big bruisers that we used to play against. Uh, but anyway, but I did, not because I was a good player, but I had a real drive and desire to, to, uh, to kind of be the best I could be. Uh, so, uh, my point I'm making that is that, you know, I always say to my coaches, my staff, don't be dismissive of kids at 16 because they're smaller, they're all going to grow and develop at different ages. But Dumbarton, I was really lucky that it allowed me to do that. And then when I went to the team, I managed to, I scored on my debut, uh, took a penalty in the 89th minute against Air United, we're losing 1-0. And all the senior players, if truth be told, absolutely shit themselves to take it. And this wee cocky guy for the goal, I'll, I'll take the penalties, I'll take it. And managed to send Hugh Sprout was the goalie, sent him the wrong way. Had I not, then who knows, you might never have played again. But I had the confidence and the belief in the in terms of the ability and what I could do to uh, to do it. And uh, and then it just kicked on from there. Next on to Clyde Bank. So within that joint, when I was at the Barton, obviously I had the opportunity uh, to play for Scotland under-21s, but the game was actually against Ireland under-21s who wanted me to play as well because that kind of takes me back to when I signed for Dumbarton because Sean Farland, who's dead now, God rest him, Sean was Jock Steen's assistant when Glasgow Celtic won the uh, first British team to won the European Cup with all the home-based players. And uh, Sean had said to my dad, listen, young one's better than Barton and rather than sign for Dundee United and that's how that kind of came about. So, and then he you know, grew up with your, your two older brothers who, you know, I mean, Joe, forgive me for going to tangent, but I have to tell this story. So, Thomas was a really good player, big, powerful central midfielder, could go box to box, score goals, could play sweeper as well at the time. Joe was a, a number 10, like a second striker, really creative midfielder. Joe had more ability than I've ever seen in my life. And he bought Joe liked the night out, he liked a, he a couple of distractions and everything else, and probably never had his career he should have with, with his ability. But, a couple of years back there, uh, the boys are in the pub, a well-known pub in Glasgow, the Brazen Head, big, big Celtic pub in the Gorbals, and all the boys are in there, different generations. They're sitting around the table with us, just chatting away about football as you do. So they started getting on to about, oh, well, who's all the good players that, that have come out of the Gorbals? So they're chatting away, and a couple of boys that went to school, me and my pals are there, and they're like, well, if you're going to talk about this one, that one, then you'll, you'll need to talk about Oni Coyle. The amount of 300 goals where he played, the teams he's done, bum, bum, bum. He's got to be right in there with him. And they tell the story, it was this older guy, you know, maybe a couple of generations older, he's just rolling back in the seat, he's rolling back in his chair and he says, Oni Coyle, no chance. <coughs> and my two mates have got up, what do you mean no chance? Oni Coyle, the old boy rolls back, he says, no chance. As a matter of fact, Oni Coyle wasn't even the best player in his own house. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true, because Joe would have been Joe. But what I did manage to do was kind of, as I've done as a manager, coach, wherever I've been, I've, I've punched above my weight. And I did that in my playing career as well. So, but, uh, oh, no, my God, Joe could play. And you see them, I mean, I obviously I went with my mum and dad to all the games. And uh, as you know, because obviously you know the family really well, my dad passed away 26 years ago now, but my mum was at every game. My mum would come down to Bolton every game. She was at Burnley. My mum came to America. She loved her, obviously loved her family, but she loved her football as well, you know? So, uh, aye, that was, so the point you make about uh, you're able to share a lot of the moments with your family. Yeah. That's doesn't get any better than that. No. Well, I suppose after Clyde Bank, then the first stop at Airdrie, first of three stops at Airdrie, a club probably that did a lot for you. Aye. I, uh, I, I love my time at Airdrie and all the different spells, but uh, because I played international football, uh, there was a lot of clubs that had been in for me previously before I went to Clyde Bank, but Dumbarton actually fell on quite financially a wee bit of bother so they kind of sold me on the cheap but went to Clyde Bank and scored like a goal in every two games and you know 
So all of a sudden, Airdrie were paying a first division transfer record, which just short of £275,000 at the time, which yeah. was a lot of money for that that level. And, uh, and I went, uh, scored the hat-trick in my debut. Funny with that, because uh, I'd played against Airdrie two weeks previous to that with Clyde Bank and scored at Airdrie. And when you come off at Airdrie, the old stadium was... It was right on the top of you, John, as you know, Airdrie, Falker, all the type of stadiums. And there was a little... When you come into the restroom, there's a, a, a separate pavilion, a bit like Fulham, a bit like Craven right. Cottage, a kind of wee house in the corner, kind of wee pavilion bit that you went in. But as you went in, just along here, the rail where, where, where the, uh, the bar is there just now, that close, fans could stand there. So the Airdrie fans are on the side of this, and they're giving me dogs abuse the way in. Coyle, you're this, you're that, and this guy was... And obviously, in, 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 in Scotland, there's a lot of sectarian stuff, and being called Owen... Columba Coyle, I think they know what kind of team you support. I grew up with obviously Celtic side, and the guy was giving me absolute dogs abuse. You know, about being Irish, about being Catholic. You mentioned that he was. Anyway, so uh, Jim Fallon was my coach. I remember saying to the policeman standing next to him, Are you going to allow that? And the policeman just said, Right, that's enough, sir. And that was it. So I went in anyway. Anyway, two weeks later, Erdry signed me for a first division transfer record. I played against Air United again, who was actually my debut for Dumbarton when I was a kid. Anyway, I scored a hat trick. And I'm coming off, it's Gosman Judge, I'm coming off, and the, and the same guy looks over and goes, hey, Coyle. And I turned around and I thought, my God, that's that guy who was going to abuse me two weeks ago. I went, yeah, he went like, oh, you're the best thing since sliced bread, son. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that, that's football fans, they love that. When you play for your team, they, 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 they absolutely love you to bits. I think you're going you're to get used to that all over your career, aren't you? The fickle, aren't they? You're doing well. Yeah, and there's no, yeah, John will tell you, and, and, and particularly in football, because obviously the, the the amount of fans that come and how everybody loves the game. You, you need to have thick skin to be involved in football, both as a player, and then particularly nowadays as a, as a coach, as a manager. And uh, because with social media and everything else, everybody's got an opinion, rightly or wrongly, it is what it is. So I think you need to... I think, first and foremost, you get your belief. You know what you do, you know how good you are at what you do, and then you understand that people have opinions. That's fine. So, Airdrie, fantastic. Scored buckets of goals. Loads of hat-tricks. There was a certain wee guy that was watching your games quite uh, frequently, Ian McNeil. Aye, Dixie. Well, well listen, we, you, Ian McNeil was probably, and not because he signed me, but in terms of you know, strikers and everything else, I mean, John, you go through the ones. He, he, in terms of Chief Scout, he had an unbelievable eye for, for players, for footballers, and, uh, and he was such a likeable character, wasn't he? I mean, we, 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 we loved him to bits. And uh, so he'd been watching me at Airdrie, He'd been watching me there after the... actually. Big, I only ever had one injury in my, in my whole career. I was really lucky, really, really lucky and blessed when I see some of the things that, that, that some players have to go through. But the injury I had, it was the, I was the best goal-scoring form in my career. I'd scored 17 league goals in seven games. I'd scored four, seven? In seven. I'd scored four consecutive hat-tricks. They were hitting me in the shoulder, hitting me in the backside, but they were going in. And, uh, and my own big goalkeeper, big John Martin, he actually injured me in the training, not by purpose, but we're playing a double penalty box game on an AstroTurf, which wasn't back in the day, was, was poor surface. And I just went to flick it in, and Big John's came out as brave as he was, and uh, he's caught my standing leg. So I did my medial ligament, because at that point, the whole world were probably looking at 17 goals in seven games. And uh, and then I came back and, and finished. I, still, I think I still finished the, the, the division's top scorer that season, and I only played the last... Because uh, I was out for about four months, but... Then we got promoted, we were in the Premier League, uh, and that Airdrie team, to be fair, I mean, the, the group of boys we had at Bolton as players was sensational, and that group uh, were on a par 
in terms of the team spirit and the camaraderie. I mean, that's huge at any football club. And we were really, I've been really lucky and blessed in that respect that the clubs I went to, that we've always seemed to have that. And uh, and hopefully you've played a little part and, you know, be part of it, creating it, whatever you want to call it. But that that's that's huge in, uh, that's huge in football for sure. So summer 93, Bolton come in. Yeah, Bolton, Bolton came in and uh, I came down on June the 8th because I was getting married on June the 26th. So that had been, well, that was 30 years ago. Uh, and I came down and the Bruce Street was the manager, Colin Todd was the assistant. And Ian McNeil had obviously been looking at me and he liked what he's seen in terms of uh, what he thought I could bring to, to the football club. So I came down to see and, and, and Bruce and Colin, no, nobody was there, it was Ian that was there to do the negotiations. Right. So, but negotiations involved, well, okay, it'll need to be this to sign or whatever. And then he would run through and throw phone Bruce in Bermuda or wherever, Barbados or wherever Bruce was on holiday. So anyway, a couple of stories short, we, 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 we got it agreed, probably sold myself short, but it wasn't about the, the money, it was about the opportunity to come to England, to come to a club with a, a fantastic history, a club that had been through difficult times and, and now we're on, on uh, in terms of, you know, football is cyclical, you'll see this ups and downs, but it was time that the club was on, certainly on the way back up again. They had really good players. I'd watched the, uh, I'd watched the videos. I'd been sent. He'd give me some games, and he's not worth us anymore. But Dave Higson, who I absolutely love with his commentaries, uh, you could, yeah, absolutely. But you could only ingratiate yourself to the club when you hear that and that enthusiasm. And me and we done loads with Dave. We absolutely loved it, me bits. And uh, so yeah, I was, and there was uh, lots of other interests, but I really liked the feel in the club and everything else. And uh, had the medical. And then I had to stay down because uh, the medical showed that there was a wee, as it does with sports athletes, uh, there was a little murmur uh, in my heart or whatever. And then we get checked the following day and it turns out everything was all right. Because funny enough, when I had the medical then at Dundee United, uh, three years later, whatever it was, there was no murmur, I think, so with sports athletes, they, they, I don't know if they come and go. But anyway, so, uh, but, so I stayed down for a day and kind of got to see the town, which was nice as well. Uh, You'll know the name. It was it was that was it the coach horse? What was the name of that? Coach house. Coach house. The hotel that the, pack horse. Pack horse. Yeah. Pack horse. So we yeah. stayed at pack horse. John. Yeah. Stayed in the pack horse that night. Got to see the like the people that come up chatting away and and just got a real good feeling, you know, for the place. And so everyone was agreed. I came back up. As I say, married the twenty six. Had my uh, honeymoon and then we're back into the the pre season straight away. Getting me obviously John and all the boys that were there and I. It was uh, it, it was it was brilliant. But for being a kind of home bird, you know, as I say, one and nine, just married. It was a new, a new adventure, whatever you want to call it. But the great thing was, and obviously he had a huge part of it, everybody made you feel welcome, made you feel at home straight away. And that's huge in any, in it, not just in football, in any walk of life that people welcome you with open arms. Any pre-season stories, anything go on? The pre-season? Aye. Well, the... Uh, so pre-season was tough because uh, you know physically at that time we did a lot, did a lot of hard work, and then Bruce had a uh, <laughs> Bruce had a bonding uh, weekend that we're going to go to. What was the name of John? Was it Liverpool? It was out that way. Uh, it, it was a beautiful big, world, yeah, uh, a beautiful big place through yeah. there, and uh, it was a good training facility. And and uh, anyway, decided this night he was going to have a uh, just had a nice meal, right? Just getting a few drinks, and of course I'm teetotal, I don't drink. But he does. So so McGinley's there in full throttle with, uh, with the boys, Andy Walker, Andy was there at the time. And Andy's having a few beers. Andy's not a big drinker, but there's a few beers that night. Brownie was there. Uh, 
Stubbsy, McAteer. We just signed not only myself. We just signed Jimmy Phillips. Yep. Brought Jimmy to the club. Uh, Alan Thompson, <laughs> uh, Stevie Fulton. Uh, so we'd signed uh, Bruce had signed a number of players not at big fees like I think everybody was like 250 300 grand I think my, that was my fee at a tribunal 250 uh, Stevie Fulton was 250 I think Tom was about the same so Bruce obviously whatever budget he'd been given maybe like a million a million a quarter he decided I'll get five players for kind of about the same fees to, to add to the, to the really good squad they had that got promoted uh, the year before so we're there anyway and then I'm thinking myself, well I'm teetotal but I, I love a night out as everybody does Gets about 12 o'clock, and I'm thinking, right, okay, we're training tomorrow. So the guy from Bruce is there, and he's sitting in the middle of it. Colin Todd's went to his bed early. Uh, and I'm thinking, right, he's going to say, right, boys, call it. One o'clock comes, I'm still there. No, it was great. The banter was brilliant. And uh, Bruce is well on, John's well on, Brownie. I mean, I'm looking, I'm thinking to myself, wow, these, what a group this is. Uh, so they're, I don't want to say paralytic, but they're well oiled by this time, right? Really. So one word bothers another, and Bruce is drunk, and Bruce is giving a bit out to, to a few of the boys, and uh, and he said something to Andy, to Andy Walker, and Andy, me and John Brown with Andy, but Andy can be quite stubborn at times. You know, if Andy thinks he's right, Andy's right. He's no, he's no, he's no listening to the other. He's giving it. He's, he's right. He's right. So Bruce had said something to Andy, and I remember Andy getting up, and I'm just sure it was a pint of lager or whatever it was, but he actually just picked the the, the drink up and poured it over Bruce's head. <laughs> Fairness to Bruce, you know, he just looked at me like, <laughs> and which you wouldn't have done if it was me, incidentally, a few years later. But anyway, that so this went on, so then it became two o'clock, three o'clock. As God's my judge, I went to my bed at half four, and they were still there, and we were training at ten o'clock on the grounds the following morning. So I'm I'm rooming with him. So anyway, I'm I'm, I'm kind of sleeping, but you're not sleeping because you know you need to be up in a few hours. And I'm sure about half eight, I heard him coming in, right? And I'm thinking, I said, well. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Okay, go. I'll, I'll leave breakfast. I'll go about half nine. Get my training gear on. I'll be down there for ten to ten. So yeah, I'm sure about half eight he comes in. Anyway, so anyway, about half nine I get up, I jump up, and I go to John. No training. He's like, what? I say, he's training. As God's my judge, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over exaggerating him again. He couldn't stand. <laughs> I've got him up. I actually dressed him in his training gear. I got his training gear on. I'm thinking to myself, how's this going to look? Good? So anyway, I've got him. I'm kind of stumbling down the stairs. We get in there, and the pitch was just round the corner. So I'm running the pitch. I go to the corner and we did see there, David Lee. He'd went to his bed relatively early. Did did he's looking? Yeah, did. You don't drink much. No, did he's like me. He's looking, he's looking fresh. Uh, Greeny was there, and Greeny had went early and they had a lot of beers. Greeny was looking all right. Uh, and then you had 
him, you had Brownie, you had a couple of younger ones were okay, so it was about five. Okay. And the other ones, I, I, I can't describe this scene. It was, and I can see, so Colin Thomas says, right, he comes over, he brings in a kind of like a circle of his daughters. And I, as Gosman, I'm literally kind of holding him, otherwise he's just keeling over. So, and the other ones, I'm looking about Phil Brown, Phil's a captain, Phil's, he's rocking his <laughs> Colin Thomas. So Colin Thomas says, listen, we'll quick warm up. Uh, and then we'll get in some boxes, and it's going to be light, but let's get this done and enjoy what we're doing. I know obviously you used the night last night with the gaffer, but back to work now, lads, great. Okay, uh, Coyle, you, you did say take the warm-up, no problem. So me and Dizzy go to take the lap, you know, as you do. So we've got, like, as I say, uh, a couple of boys that were green A and you know, I think Big Stubbsy was okay. But anyway, so we go, must have went about 100 yards in the jog. And normally we're hearing the banter coming back and forth, like Henley shouting something, Brownie shouting. I'm not hearing the whisper, and I said to Dizzy, that's a bit odd, I better check. As goes my judge, I turned round. They were 100 yards behind us. Can I stand up? Is that, can the camera get that? 100 yards. Behind us, and this they were like this, trying, try, they couldn't, they couldn't run a straight line. It was like, but there was about eight of them, and they were all here like this. And McGinley, oh my God! So Colin Todd looked back, and it's the shortest training session I've ever seen, both as a player and a manager. Colin Todd says, I don't really like to swear that, but Colin Todd says. Fuck it, that's it. Get to your, <laughs> get to your rooms. You're in absolute space. So there was five years left. Like, Todd, you we did to sell. What did you want to do? I said, well, we want to stay out in that. He says, no, do you know what? Just get everybody in. He was, oh, Colin Toy was living. But, but in terms of the the mileage, I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but the mileage you got for that with the, the banter thereafter and the team spirit and the camaraderie, uh, but oh, it was funny, it was hilarious, it was funny. And, it, and the gaffer was there, so I mean... Right, was, so that, that was, was the thing. Was there was air training. No. no, 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 Bruce, Bruce he no. Went, I think he went to his bed the same time as him, huh? and I seen the state of him try to stand up, so, uh, but no, there, there was, but they were a great group of boys, I mean, they boys would do it for you, they really were the team spirit, uh, and again, the, the Bolton fans play a huge part of Bundan, we absolutely love playing there, and the fans, and I think the fans sensed, because fans are, you know, they're, they're, they're clued in, I think the fans sensed it was the start of something good, you know, this is, Good boys here, you know. And we were at the community all the time, yeah. uh, doing different stuff and everything else. And and I think they all felt, yeah, we all feel part of the same club, which is important. Remember your first goal? Yes. I scored in my debut as I did with most clubs. I scored my debut against Stoke. We drew one each. We won nothing down. Ball played over. And I think I caught it in the volley in the second half. Fantastic finish. I've got to tell you though, I missed an absolute sit on the first half, and uh, I was. Because you do, because players think, as a striker, you want to score goals as early as you can to ingratiate yourself with the fans and, and get on board. And uh, I was on the goalkeeper, my ball got flicked on the post, I'd stepped off the goalie, and to be honest, it was like, what I would, what we would consider it was like a simple tap-in. The ball was coming at a fair pace, but I just went to swings. So I went to swing, and just went through my legs and out the other side. And I remember thinking to myself, my first thought was, Fucking hell, what are they fans sticking there? there? What have we signed here? But obviously, having, you know, as I did, uh, because the other thing about strikers is you can never be afraid to miss, because you're going to miss loads. But the important thing is you keep putting yourself in those positions and you'll get your goals, which obviously I did in the, in the second half and scored a, a wonderful volley. I think it finished one each against Stoke. And Lou McCarry was the manager. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was uh, that, that was my debut goal for, for Bolton. Because normally, you I remember when you were there, Grimsby away used to be like first game at season a lot, didn't it? Yeah. In the heat, but the away fans though, were brilliant, weren't they? Yeah, listen, uh, Grimsby away has got great memories for me. I mean, uh, oh, sorry, let me qualify that in terms of the story wise. So, we played the following 
that following season we played Grimsby away and uh, had a great pre-season uh, there was myself John Miksu Fabian had come in and uh, we kind of shared different games but I'd finished the top scorer in the, uh, in the pre-season but playing Grimsby away and uh, we come to play the game anyway Bruce's right strikers uh, McGinley who's always going to play because he was different class McGinley and Pat Linen. Uh, on the bench coil bum 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 we only three subs in the days a goalie sub and two outfield so Big Aiden Davidson was a, was a sub goalie with Branny been in who again I mean they, they two were different class uh, so myself uh, Aiden I'm not sure it was we we Paddy or Tomo uh, anyway whatever it was uh, so I'm on the bench so we do drew 0-0 I can never go on. I was blazing, I'm raging. Leading goal scoring pre season. Well, I guess I'm thinking myself, okay, it's no, no, we're not scoring. They've thrown you tw- the last 20 minutes. Bruce will throw you on. I've got to say, by this time, we had a wee bit of, me and Bruce did a few run ins by that point. So, anyway, it doesn't put me on. And uh, But anyway, the other thing uh, I always did when I, if I never got on like that or I wasn't in the team, I would go and do extra work on my own, like physical, go and do some physical running so that when the opportunity came for me to play, I You're was ready. in the best condition I could be. Yeah, so that I didn't uh, let myself down or anything. And uh, anyway, so I went away, done my running, worked out 15, 20 minutes out there on the pitch at, uh, at Grimsby, uh, doing sides and different, just different running. Come in, so I put myself through the mill. So as I come in, all the boys are getting ready to go on the bus, but I'm blazing, I'm still annoyed. Raging, oh, I'm up to, raging. You can tell on my face, he knew what I was like, he knew me better than anybody. So I'm blazing, I come in, he's, he's looking at me like, all right, Coyle, and he, he knows, so he's kind of put his head down laughing. This the guy's supposed to be your best mate, incidentally. But anyway, we'll come to that. So uh, anyway, I'm getting changed, put my chair on, ready to go in the shower. And as I'm ready to go in the shower, I just look, and there's Bruce, Bruce is up in the mirror. And Bruce was immaculate, right? His shoes, you could see your, you could see your face in this reflection in the shoes. He was, there wasn't a hair at a place. But anyway, he's up at he's got this big royal blue jacket on, but he's fixing the knot, the last wee notch in his tie, and he's just at the mirror, and he's fixing the cell, and he's looking in the mirror. I can see he's looking and thinking, I'm looking good, I'm looking a million dollars here. He's spotless, he was immaculate. And I'll just shout it over, hey, Gaffer, uh, what time what time we on the bus? And he just kind of turned around that way as if, I'll turn around, but I can't really be bothered with him. But he turned around and he went, Excuse me. I said, What time are you on the bus? He says, What are you asking me for? I said, Oh, I'm really sorry, Gaffer. Just when I seen your jacket there, I thought it was a bus driver for the back. <laughs> so I'm getting inside, I'm pissing myself laughing, right? And he's supposed to be a pal, and he went like, Oh, Coily, you're out of order. <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, my God, honestly. But not for the first time, Coily, oh. you're out of order, right? So a couple of other ones I rode him, and he just the last fix, the last wee notch this time, he looked at it. Listen. For obvious reasons, I understand. I've been in my John was this blue-eyed boy, and he should be because he was sensational for him. So there was stuff that John would get away with that others wouldn't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So he's, he's looked at me and John, the power of selection is a strong thing. Just just walk there as if to say, I'll decide, I'll pick you whenever I'm picking you. So that is he done a few times. But anyway, but I listen. I I, I should come on to this now. So. Bruce Rear, I've got nothing but huge respect and admiration for in terms of his football. His football was second to none. He knew the game, he knew, he had an unbelievable knowledge, how his teams played, what he'd done at, uh, at Bolton was sensational. So there is no issue with me in that, particularly as a manager, looking at how he, he, what he'd done was, was amazing. Was it fair to me? No, I don't think so. But then I'll have players that have played for me that probably don't think maybe I was fair to them as well. So you're always going to have that. But I mean, some of the examples I could give of what he, he did to me would... Uh, anyway, but I think he did it for a... I need to give a bit of how did you qualify this a little bit. I was probably my own worst enemy in terms of I couldn't keep my mouth shut. 
as a player. Were you easy picking for leave out then because you couldn't leave your mouth shut? I think I, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I was easy pickings in respect of he, Bruce was clever. Bruce knew that whatever he did to me, it wouldn't affect me. He knew I was tough mentally. He knew I was strong mentally, and as much as he. He knew I'd come bouncing back. The other thing he knew, and this is what I always felt, he knew I would do anything for my teammates. He knew I was a team player. So he knew that no matter, he's still going to be different for his team. He might not like me or whatever, but he'll never let those those boys down because he loves them to bits. And, but if that was me, as I have done now, that's the kind of player I would I would bring closer because you know they're going to do it for the team and, and everything else. But listen, at the end of the day, you can only pick a living. I get that. And it wasn't... I've never had an issue with not being picked. My issue was uh, how you explain that to people. So I've always, and part of that was from a, from a player because the stuff that happened to me as a player, I always said, I'll never do that to a player that plays for me. So there'll be players that'll be disappointed sometimes that they haven't played for me, but they'll understand the reasons why. I always tell, if you've played a few games with me, I'll always pull you and say, listen, I'm not playing you today. If you want to have a chat about it, we'll have a chat about it. But I'll never ever name a team and there's a guy expecting to play that's not playing. I would never do that. I'll run you forward then, since we're on that subject. Yeah, let's do it. League Cup final. Yeah. Liverpool. So, so the League Cup final, uh, for, for, first and foremost, for, for Bolton to get to the League Cup final as a championship team, it yeah. was incredible, the run, the, the run we had. And uh, I played in every game, every round and every game of that, that, that cup competition. So we came up to the week before the final and we're playing Portsmouth away uh, in the league. And, uh, and John was away in international duty with Scotland. And uh, so me and Mixu played, were, were playing up front at Portsmouth. But on the Friday, the day before, we signed one of the best, certainly for me, one of the best players that, 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 that Bolton had, uh, certainly in the, in the era that I can remember. We signed Gundy Bergson. We signed Gundy on, on the Friday, not only as a player, but as a man, outstanding man. Uh, so we signed him on the Friday, so Gundy was number 12. Uh, he was on the bench at Portsmouth and I was stripped at number 11 so he was sitting next anyway we went out the first half and uh, Portsmouth were beating us 1-0 and uh, but I thought I'd worked really hard and played well in the, in the first half in the game so I come in at half time and Bruce comes in and he just ladles into me never mentioned anybody other's name coil this coil that this bump bump spent easily five minutes on me just absolutely caning me and then he finished and he went away he gets a cup of tea or whatever he was getting and Gundy Bergs and Tammy says own I don't understand. He says, you've been our best player. I says, it's okay, good day. I understand. He says, what? I says, next week's the cup final. He's going to play John and Mixu for the start. So if he laid those into me this week, it's easy to justify, well, he didn't do well enough at Portsmouth. You're, you're not starting. He went, oh. I said, I know how it works. I've got, I've got a semi-idea of it. So we're going to set half. And if I could play any better, I do. And beat two or three men, come along the line, cut one back. And I can't remember who scored. Didsy or whoever, but anyway, we we drew one each. Uh, so we draw the game one each. I come in at full time again. Just goes for me, ladles into me again in front of everybody. And uh, I think one he knew I could take, he knew I could deal with it. Equally, it was going to justify the end game for him. So uh, whereas there's others, if he'd have ladled into, you would never have got them back because that can happen with you know people. So uh, anyway, we come in on the Monday as we know, and, and, and Bruce is right. I'm going to name the starting eleven for for the cup final against Liverpool. <coughs> So like, great, great, okay, so here we go. So names of the team, Strikers, McGinley and Pat Line, which I knew anyway, so I thought, fair enough. But I thought to myself, well, the boys are going to start, still come off the bench and do whatever you're going to do. So he names the team, so he names the 11, and then he says, right, 
there was about probably we probably scored about 18 out of 10 didn't we for 14 places and so it was about 70 is left he says right the, the other 70 of you you are all playing tomorrow night against Stoke in the reserves and I've said and I have a lot I says am I playing he said are you in the other 7 but I said yeah I am I said I played 90 minutes in Portsmouth Saturday he says well you're playing tomorrow night you can run all day I said okay no problem so this is now four or five days before the cup final. It was if the 70 you were playing a trial game as a kid again to get, to get on the bench for the for the cup final. So anyway, we go and play, we play at Stoke, whatever it was, two each, whatever. So anyway, we come back, and the cup final was on Sunday, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So on the Saturday morning, we were training on Burnden, on the pitch, and Bruce wasn't there. Bruce had been down to, to meet us at the hotel, and uh, Colin Todd was uh, taking the training, finished the training, and Todd, he says, oh, right, boys, let me come in, we come. The gaffers asked me to name the subs. So, as you do in football, the 11 have started, you've got the other seven, we think, well, okay, everybody knows who the subs. It's going to be Aidan Davidson, it's going to be myself as a striker, and it's going to be wee Paddy, we, uh, uh, who'd been the club captain and was a really good player, and uh, so left-sided midfielder would cover you and everything else. So anyway, so he says, uh, he says okay, subs. He says, uh, Aidan Davidson, Paddy, uh, Goodney Bergson. Goodney hadn't even come on at Portsmouth, he hadn't even played a minute for the club. And he, who would only be sensational, but at that time, and he was putting him a bit, and I was like, obviously, this, but I said, excuse me? And he went like, I've seen Todd, he went like, oh, here we go again. He went like, oh, don't shoot the messenger. I said, don't shoot the messenger. I said, if the man was here that was supposed to be here, that's who I'd be speaking to, but he's no. So he's left duty to it. I said, you know what, it's, you're embarrassed. Well, it wasn't embarrassed. Anyway, it's a joke, whatever it was. So I stormed away, fucking just kicked the ball, I think, as high as I could. Stormed away and went in as a shower. I came out the shower and I'm, actually, this is true. I'm thinking to myself, do you know what? Fuck them. I'm not going to the final. I've just got up the road. You can do what you want to his team. So I've come out and by that time, he's just come back into the fair, thank God, at the time. And so, and we'd, if you remember, there was the new suits, shirts, ties for the final. Everything was, everything was pristine. So he's come in and he's like, he's came to me straight away. He says, you all right? I said, no. I said, John, bang out order. He says, I know. To be fair, he said, what are you going to do? I said, you know what? I've got half a mind. He says, you wouldn't do that. I said, no, that he mentioned it. No, but the only reason, I mean, I'm glad he was there because he said a good thing. He says, at the end of the day, Conley, it wasn't the boys that picked the team. And he was right. And I said, no, you're right, 100%. I said, no. Great captain said by you, though, wasn't it? No, it was good. Well, he knew, he kind of knew, we were good pals. He knew what kind of buttons to press. He knew how much I, I cared for the boys and everything else. And I said, no, do you know what? You're right. I said, so I'm going to, I said, I'm going to put my suit shirt tie, put a smile on my face. I'll be there for the boys as much as you're hurting inside. That because you, hurt you though, Oh, it's incredible. So, but I would not, you know, he would know because I could confide in him. But the others, I would just put a brave face on it, which I did. Could, Went down, put a smile. Boys lost two one. Uh, Thomas scored the wonder goal, but Steve McManaman was unplayable that day. I mean, sometimes people uh, they attach all oh, that somebody's final. That was McManaman's final. He was unplayable that day. I'm gonna go on one though. Tomo with the crossbar, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, we were well. The boys so were that were two for Tomo. Yeah, the boys. Yeah, the boys. Tomo could easily have been man of the match. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah the boy. The boys were well <clears> in the game, but I think if you looked over the piece and you watched that yeah. game, you think. Liverpool were the better team and McManaman was, was unplayable as Tom was Tom was such a mm. as he went on he had an unbelievable career he was such an exciting talent and a great lad uh, so anyway we came in and then he wouldn't speak to me because every time I went to see him in the next two weeks he wouldn't speak to me I kept training doing extra stuff on my own never put me in the 14 for the two weeks and then uh, the following Monday when we came in uh, if you remember John he came in the dressing room at Burnden and then you turned here, and the boot room was in here. So I'd 
I was always I say we were always first in. I'd come in this morning, uh, first in, nobody there. Went in, went to get my boots. As I walked in the, the the dressing room, I was conscious that there was somebody behind me. So I turned around. It was a guy for Bruce. It was a, and he says, hey, "Coily." I says, "Aye." He says, hey, "There you go. Uh, that's for you." And I knew where it was. I could see it in his hand. I says, "What is it?" He said, "What?" I said, "What is it?" He said, "It's your medal." And I said, "No." Again, could be really awkward than I needed to be. I said, my medal for what? He says, for the cup final. And now his voice is really getting, I've got his heckles up, he's starting to raise his voice. I said, for the cup final? Never played in the cup final. He went, you, play, you played every game to the cup final? I said, no, no, but I never played in the one that was important. The cup final, he says, well, there's your medal, you want it, you don't want it. I says, aye, is my three grand appearance in there? Because the boys were in £3,000 appearance. I never got a single penny. So anyway, he went, ah, there's a medal there, take it, I don't. And threw it and stormed out. But I just couldn't, I mean, I know people would have let, I just couldn't resist. I said, oh, is my three grand appearance in there? Because uh, it, was just, it, was just, it was just the whole thing. And it was the first time he'd spoke to me in two weeks. Because every time I went to speak to him, he said, I can't see you today. So anyway, so, but the reason I mentioned this story is because had I sulked or not, uh, been there for the boys or everything else. From that moment, I went into the team, I started every game from then, the last 14 games, through the playoffs to the playoff final, and probably one of the best days I've ever had as a player, playing at Wembley when we played together in the country, two nothing down, it could have been three with a missed penalty, and he score off his cross to score at Wembley, that's a childhood dream. So the reason I tell that story is sometimes you've got to have that mental strength, that mental carry that says, you know what, it's horrible, but I'm going to get through it, I'm going to get on with it, and that's what we've all got to do. And I think bigger picture, you know, you look back at it now, and it was hard at the time, because when Tori's named the subs and everything else, you're ready for off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we had that chat, I said, get yourself on that bus. And when you think about it, you played every game in since then, and you got to Wembley, no, played at Wembley. One hundred percent. That's that what I'm saying. It. So had had I sold, that would never have, no. have happened. So that's why I always say to people, when decisions are made, it doesn't make them right or wrong. It just no. makes them the decision, and it's how you react to it. So the fact that I did put my head down, just got on with it, and I think he probably looked and thought, you know what, nothing's going to affect him mentally. Strong, bump, bump. We can count on him. And to be fair, as I said, yeah, so much so that uh, he'll be telling you. I know we'd one or two injuries, but you know, for the quality he was, he went and played wide in the right. In the final, and actually at half time we changed that, yeah. and I went wide in the left. We'd actually four centre forwards on the pitch to win it, the the playoff final at Wembley. We make sure Fabian through the middle. Did you know when you scored? Yeah. But I'm going to come back. Yeah, I knew. I knew before. I, I think we all knew at the start of the second half we were going to come back. But what we needed, we needed the goal because it's a two goal gap. If there's only a goal in it, you know I've got to the last minute. But I think it was something like the. <coughs> 76, 78th minute, it was mid 70s yeah. anyway, yeah. and he's put a wonderful cross. And I'm not known for winning headers at the back post, but for whatever reason, it was meant to be. And as soon as that goal went in, not only I knew the Reading players knew because they Reading were a good team, but I think they knew that us at our very best, we were a better team. And uh, that second half, it was waves of attack, it was attack after attack. We just needed the goal, and when it went in, it just lifted all. I mean, this, the atmosphere was incredible, wasn't it? And obviously, went on to. I don't finish 4-3, but we got to 4-2 and Jimmy Quinn scored with the last kick of the ball to make it look a wee bit more flatter than, than what it was eventually. But fitness-wise was a big issue as well, yeah, because we've, we always finished strong. Because we boys... Must the pre-season, Owen. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> well it, it was after that day. Well, in, in fairness, I'll get out game was doing that. As much as we had a team that did like a night out, because they did, those boys liked a night out for sure, but when they trained... 
Yeah. My God, they worked, us, they worked the socks off. I absolutely, with such a fit, athletic team, boys. I mean, if you look back in all those games, we were always running the 93rd, 90, whatever those minutes came, we were still always strong at the end of games. And that's on a crap pitch as well, well wasn't oh, it? I know. Well, <laughs> but you had to be fit to play on that I, pitch. I know people thought it was a crap pitch, but, but we loved it. I, right. I mean, I that loved London. I yeah, thought it was in the atmosphere on the, the far side. Funny enough, the one way, because we're on the, the, the subject of Bruce and playing at Bolton, which, which I absolutely loved, uh, when John and, and Mixu were the, the, the first choices that season, and uh, and I was sub. And but to be fair, the Bolton fans had, had, re had really took to me, and they used to sing every. So I would go out and warm up, not because. I hated sitting about, I was a fidget, as you'll tell you, so I would go out and warm up, and but every time I would warm up, the Volton fans, if it was a tight game, the Volton fans would start singing, he gets the ball, he scores a goal, and I remember, uh, I was out warming up, and I came back, and I sat down, and I was sitting right behind Bruce, and Bruce turned to Colin Todd, he says, Colin, what he doesn't understand the more they sing from, the less chance he's got of getting on. He's got to a judge. He, did, uh, he, no, he thought I. I think he thought I was going out to wind him up. Uh, so yeah, so I think the boss. As soon as he went out to wind, they were all singing. So he's, he's doing that on purpose. You know what so, I mean? So, uh, it's I, a battle of wills. I saw that. To be fair, uh, but again, football uh, knowledge. But some of it, I mean, yeah. some of the stuff he puts, even not even myself, but Stevie Phil. There's a perfect example. So when I signed, come back to uh, the first pre-season. We used to get uh, changed at Abundant, travel down to, to Exton, as it was called at the time, John, wasn't it? And uh, along the motorway. So we trained and we're coming back. It was only the first or second day. And I'm I'm driving, I've got him in the car, and I'm climbing down the motorway. And he's going like, whoa, quietly, slow down. I said, what do you want? I'm 80 miles an hour. He went, whoa. I said, gaffer silver, my CD's up there on the left. Not a mile over 70 miles an hour. You can't, quietly. I went, John, give it. He said, I swear, slow down. So anyway, I've put anchored 70 miles an hour, put it in my mind, put it in my So we've seen Stevie Fulton for Glasgow Celtic, who's <coughs> unbelievable player, Stevie Fulton, unbelievable ability. But obviously Bruce was a very, very strict disciplinarian. So he said, not a, not a mile over 70, Coyle, you're getting bothered with Gaffer. No problem. So I've put one, I've put one. Stevie Fulton's coming round by and outside is. So he looks across, he's got both windows down. He looks across this, he's got one hand in the wheel. He's got a big fag in the He's smart. And he looks across his like us with a fucking And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh, he's, so he's just flying by it. And he's like, oh no. He's put his hands in his head. I said, what's that? That's him finished. I said, what do you mean he's finished? He's signed last week. He says, wait, you see this guy. Like, so Travis can buy a big flag. He's seen Bruce. Throw him all the way on. And by the way, it's Judge. Never played a game at Christmas. No, never played them a game at Christmas. And then actually what happened was, if you remember, we were in that Anglo-Italian Cup. So we had an Anglo-Italian Cup and uh, and Stevie was staying there. They was, the boys were staying in the hotel until they got sorted out with uh, him and Tomo. And uh, anyway, they did a couple of nights out. It was at the Ritz or whatever, it was around the corner for the hotel. And uh, But Stevie Fulton, when Stevie Fulton went out and had a couple of beers, Stevie would look as if he'd been he'd been out all night. So not only had a couple of beers, he would just look worse for wear, uh, how it affected him. And he came in this day, and uh, and I remember Bruce coming in and looking at him. Like, have you been out? Somebody told him, he'd only had a couple of beers. But obviously, maybe the hotel manager said, oh, they took him rolling in or whatever, him and Tom or whatever. Anyway, Bruce went through him, and then we played the Anglo-Italian Cup at Tranmere. Big Ed Davidson was a goalkeeper. One, two, one that night. Yeah. I, think, I think both you and I scored. Uh, but... Tranmere should have beat us about 10-2. Tranmere had a really good team at the time. They absolutely battered us. But we managed to win 2-1. But anyway, Bruce came in after the game and he and he put five, five or six of them on the transfer list. 
He just came in after the game. Now, he'd only signed Stephen Fulton for 250 grand. He put Stephen Fulton, Scott Green, Parkey, Gary Parkinson, uh, was Kells one? Anyway, he put five of them on the transfer. We won the game 2-1 and they came in and put transfer list and five of them. I'm not having that bump, bump, bump. And then, to be fair, it was like to give him a shot to the system. The kind of boys, I mean, Greeny can back, work his way back in. We're not going to be a brilliant Scott Green. We're not going to be a brilliant. We loved him in this. <laughs> oh, the fun we had with him. But we're not going to be a brilliant, brilliant Bolton player. So I think he was just sending a message out there yeah. to get, work your way back into the fold, which some of them did. And then if you didn't, then that was it. You were out the door. Going to bring you back. Something you mentioned. You were driving the car and he's telling you, whoa, 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 whoa. Rumours you're the taxi man for all the squad. Well, that, that that was true only because I loved, like, Didsy was there for drinking as well, but it wouldn't have been out as much as, as, as I was out because I loved a night out with the boys. Uh, so the thing I always used to, I mean, Lee used to always say, only going to bring him back with you when you're coming back. So I always, I was always probably, I was, I was as much as they were drinking, I was probably the last home. Because I always tried to, drop everyone. I always tried to make sure, because you do. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the way I was brought up. I mean, I'm, as I say, I'm, get five brothers and three sisters and you were always that you try to make sure you're looking out for each other and that's how I've always found myself as a player and as my teams that you're always it should really be an extension of family uh, and I always try to make sure that they all get home at the right time now there might be times that I, I was feeling tired and getting home at that point then they were on their own but ordinarily I would try to make sure they were all and I think I mentioned this before but with the Christmas night out I had that uh, Astra. Astra, White Astra, G- White Astra. White Astra GTE, yeah. G800 NGE, that was the registration there. So anyway, and I must have, I must have 10 or 12 in nine that. in it. Right, there you go, 9 or 10 in that, in that car that night, with two in the front. Big Aidan Davidson just took two in a headlock in the book. He just took, in the book, he says, we'll get in the book, Colin. I was in the book. Were you in the book? Right, I was so, in the book with him. But it was, Big Aidan was the strongest man in the world. Strongest man, I love that very much. But what a fiery temp. See, when he snapped, he snapped. We used to wind him up every day, but you get to a point and he'd be like, right enough. Because he'd obviously been away at Millwall and you knew what his, what, his, uh, what his level was. But there was one day I came in and I'd been winding him up out in the pitch anyway. But fun because he'd gone brilliant with us. And uh, in London, it was the big communal bath. And they uh, come in after training and we're messing about. And he sets up and I says, Right, right, we're going to change. And I've just took my, my slips off. And I went to throw them over the, the, the skip, the hamper, and just have thrown them over. Bang, hot big Davidson right in the forehead, right? And he just looked and he went like, Coily! And he's got my judge just the colour drains from my face. I says, Aiden, I swear, <laughs> I swear, Aiden, I didn't mean that. And he just looked, never says it. And he's got just came over, strongest man in the world. And I was only a skin at a 10 stone, just grabbed me, picked me up above his head, walked into the bath, bang, thank God there was water in the bath. See if there was, but just say nothing, right, you'd, as if you'd stepped over the line, just physically picked me up, bang, whoa, what a boy, man. You said that about Mixer as well, didn't you? you oh, me, by the way. Well, this Apple thing you said. Well, actually, the one with Eddie, which you know what he was saying, so uh, at that time we didn't have mobile phones, and John was in the verge of getting called into the, the Scotland squad, and uh, uh, we were having, it was the Northwest Player of the Year, which we are all going to, on the, it was the Monday, uh, Sunday night, it was on a Sunday night, and myself, John uh, Brownie, who was the captain, and Big Aidan Davidson, the four years were going along. So I said, right, I'll pick you up, bump, bump, whatever, get it on. Anyway, so we played on the Saturday, and we won, we won handsomely, and Bruce was delighted. Bruce said, right, listen, you are off, off Monday, back in Tuesday. So I came and I said to the boys, listen, I, I'm not going to make it tomorrow. If we're off on Monday, I'm going to go up the road, I want to go up and see my mum and uh, the family and all that. And they're like, great. I said, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll ask Tomo, and I'll say to him, obviously, you, you're no 
don't be drinking, you know, because he's young anyway, but it's a chance to go with the thing. So I said to Tom, I listened to him, I'm going to road, but do you want to go with the boys, McGinn, Brownie and Aidan? And he was parley with them anyway. I said, but you've, you're, you're not drinking, you'll take the car. He's like, right, oh, no, no, I'll go quietly, I'm not drinking. I said, just be young, you don't want to be drinking the things that people are talking about you. Set a good example. He's like, no, no, I'll do that quietly, I'll, I'll go sober. So uh, Tom took the car. So they're all in the pub and, uh, and they're chatting away. And by this time, they're, they're getting a few drinks on them. Tom was sober, obviously. But Brownie, Aidan, him, they get a few drinks. And Brownie, to be fair, I love Phil Brownie bits, but him and Brownie, they could get a wee bit twisted when they had a few drinks with each other, right? So Brownie's... Uh, and Brownie was the captain, so he organised all the, all the social events. He was a social convener. But it was different times that me and him had been asked to do stuff, and we never really went to Brownie. We just went and done it, didn't we? So he's like, aye, McGinley. I wasn't there, obviously, but Tom tells me the story. Aye, McGinley, you and that, you, Coyle, you're out there, and you're trying to curry favour their fans, you're out there and stuff and all that. I'm the one that decides who's going there. Anyway, so they're arguing, and Aidan's in the middle of it, because Aidan's obviously part of Brownie but he was with Millwall with John and he was stick up Aidan with the end for stick up for, for, for John in any respect. So anyway, again, so Brownie, I'm not listening anymore. I'm going out, I need to make that phone call. So he's got to go out to the phone box to phone to find out if he's in the, the Scotland squad, the big parlors, uh, the big reporter that was in the know that knew everything that was happening. Uh, big Al. So he goes out uh, to the phone. So he goes, he's been out of the phone, Tom tells the story that Brownie and Aidan then continued arguing about again like this and that so there so instead of Aiden because Aiden's temper was broken this time so instead of Aiden just ladling one into Phil and Martin just marked his card Aiden's went and picked a chair up and put it through the gantry <laughs> right the so the next minute he's in the phone box on the phone John that's you going to be in the Scotland squad he's like oh, next minute he just sees the three of them running Brownie Aiden and Tomo running by the phone box the police sirens are going right so it's gone so the three of them got arrested yeah. the Bolton even news I think Manchester they all carried the, they all carried the, the, the story but the funny thing was thereafter Tomo's new nickname was, was Wheels Thompson he was the getaway driver <laughs> <laughs> So that's what we called him, and called him uh, Wheels Thompson. Brilliant. And the next day in the Bolton News, there was pictures I saw of, of the freedom with bars and that down the thing, right? They were in the jail with freedom with bars and that down the thing. To John's point, we took the paper out and we scrubbed it, Alan, we put Wheels. Wheels Thompson. We gave him more nicknames and he's obviously. I'm not saying. Listen, <laughs> yeah, anointed. Even, yeah. 100%. You ask anybody who played with him, they say McGinley, absolutely anointed. I was so. He should have been involved in that scrape, and but somehow he's, man, he's in the phone box. I'm in, and Scotland's going brilliant. Silence <laughs> 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 and the boys. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. What I will say, one of my favourite goals of yours, Everton away in FA Cup. I think we were losing oh, two 0 yeah. oh, What well, a finish! What a finish! Well, do you know what that that involves? That involves actually another Bruce story. Go on, my judge. So we were playing Everton in the. Uh, in the third round of the cup, but we're playing them at Burnham. And uh, on the Thursday, uh, Bruce named the team. We trained at Exit. Me and John were playing up front against Everton at home. This is on the Thursday. But that was between the Christmas and New Year period. We came through that period where you play about five or six games in the space of like 14 days, whatever. The games come thick and fast. So what Bruce was doing was he was kind of changing the team from the home team to the away team and mixing, matching the, 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 the teams. Uh, so everybody was fresh. So uh, I always remember this, Keith Jackson was, he did an interview with Keith Jackson, phoned me for the Daily Record in Scotland. He says, oh, and I seen you were in the team and then you weren't in the team. And I says, aye, we've got a decent squad, so the gaffer's changing games for this one, the next one, bum, bum, whatever. Anyway, the Friday, we trained the Thursday, Friday I came in, and Bruce used to sometimes pin the, just pin the, sh the 14 players up in the, in the board. So you had 18, 20 grown men looking at this board 
to see if they were playing. So this is the Friday, but we checked up on the Thursday. And we look up on the board, and I'm not, I'm not even in the 14. Right? So not only am I not starting, I'm not even in the bench. Well, that's bizarre. So I said, Gaffer, get him up. No. So they get in the play, Everton, we're doing 0 0 uh, at Burnden. And then the following, the Tuesday, we're, we're going to play South End. And then I think the Saturday was maybe Peter, but it was two games down in the London area. So, uh, anyway, game finishes 0 0. I get to see him on the Monday. And I said, can I see it? No, I don't see anybody the day before a game, which, to be fair, that was his policy. That was consistent. It, that, was his, that was his policy, to be fair to him. You wouldn't see, but it was obviously what I speak to him. No. Uh, okay, squad goes up to travel to London and they're staying down. I'm not in the squad to travel. So they go down, I think you drew 0 0 at South End or whatever, and then they lost the game 1 0 on the Saturday. So the game against Everton was on, on, on the Wednesday. Uh, the replay at Goodison you're talking about. So I came in on the, the Monday and uh, I says, Can I see you? He says, Oh, yes, you can see me because it's now two days before the game on the Wednesday. So I come in, come in into the office. So he came in, he did a nice office, didn't he? He's sitting in this chair where he would use her there. He says, sit down. So I sit down. So he's there just with your Bang. <coughs> Throws across the Daily Record. You know, the National Newspaper of Scotland. And he's obviously opened at the sports pages and he's got a big, uh, he's got a paragraph in yellow high glow. Do you want to read that? I says, what? He says, do you want to read that? I says, he says, I says, yeah, I'll read it. He says, I've got friends all over the world, particularly in Scotland. I get this stuff sent to me. I know everything that's going on in Scotland. The Daily Record. We and McNeil picked up in the same garage as we, me and him, were every morning. <laughs> right, we were in we Dixie's picked up the Daily Record, same as we. So, I nobody sent it to you. We Dixie's picked up the paper and you've been reading through it. Anyway, so in the in the article it says, uh, own coil says, uh, 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 the manager uh, kind of chops and changes the team and, and he, he moves it about like pawn pieces, like a chessboard, which I actually never said. But he took offence to the fact be moved about like like pawns. That's what he said. I says, I never said that. He says, there it's there in black and white. I said, I know, but two weeks ago, you were linked with the Not in the Forest job and somebody said that you said you wanted the job. I never said that. I said, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I never response this, I said, I says, that, exactly, I believe you. That's what I said. I said, but the easy thing was just to ask me. No, no, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll phone Keith Jackson right now and Keith can give you the recording because everything you say is recorded. He was like, no, 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 it doesn't matter, it's done, right, out. Right, this was the Monday, get out, that's you done. I went, oh, am I not allowed? no, you're allowed to say nothing, out. So he threw me out on the Monday, right, so I come in the Tuesday morning, we're training the day before the game, the sheet's up, me and, my, me and McGinn's up front, strikers, uh, Everton. So we go and play the game, and uh, we were brilliant that night, and obviously managed to, uh, to score a good goal that wins the game 3-2, and then Bruce went into the, the press, and Bruce says then, somebody says, oh, Old Coyle coming in, scoring the goal, the winner, bro. He says, yeah. He says, I gave him a bollocking on the Monday. He was in the team sheet on the Tuesday, and he's come, he's come up Trump's on the Wednesday. And what does it was his, his, his brilliant psychology. I gave him a bollocking on the Monday. He was on the team sheet on the Tuesday. He's come up Trump's on the Wednesday. <laughs> so in many ways, to his eyes, he has, which he did, because factually, he was right. He did give me a bollocking on the Monday. Anyway. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.